Bow your heads with me as we pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful that we can gather here this morning. Father, I pray for those who are here who don't want to be here, who were dragged here by parents or family or friends. Father, I pray for them that you would prepare their hearts, their minds, and their spirits to receive your word now. And for those of us, Lord, who have heard the stories that we're going to look at this morning and memorized them over the years, that you would give us fresh eyes to see. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Two days after Thanksgiving, the last thing that a church needs is to hear another sermon on why you should be thankful for the things that you have, right? We already know. We already sat around the dinner table. We already took turns saying what we're thankful for. So the last thing that we need Pastor Dave to preach about is why we should be thankful. And yet that is precisely why I am going to preach about why we should be thankful for the things in our lives. I want to begin by asking this question. I want you to finish the sentence in your mind. You don't have to say it out loud. You don't have to share it with anyone. But ask yourself, if I only had blank, if I only had, then my life would be better. If I only had more time, if I only had more money, if I only had a better job, if I only had better looks, if I only had better health, if I only had better relationships, then life would be good. Whatever that thing is that kind of popped into your head, because for each one of you, there was something that just popped into your head, probably because you were already thinking about it. I would argue that the thing that is constantly consuming your attention the thing that is constantly at the forefront of your mind in some ways becomes a sort of God in your life. We obsess over it. We focus over it. All we do is think about it. And sometimes what happens is we obsess over things so much that it takes our attention away from the one thing that matters the most in all of life, which is God. Now, some of you may be saying, like, well, I'm thinking about how to make my marriage better. Great, you should I'm thinking about what kind of job I should get or where I should move to or what I should be doing or whatever it is. Sometimes the things that you focus on are actually good things. But sometimes they don't or, or they won't compare to how great focusing on God will be in your life. And we're going to look at what Jesus says about this. So it's not just my words, it's Jesus' words. So to kind of segue into what we're going to be looking at today, I, I want to begin by saying that our society has kind of portrayed that the things that are most important in life are actually things. Now, how many of you went out on Black Friday? We're not judging you. Okay, so I usually go out, okay? I go to like one store, maybe two stores, but the last two times I, I couldn't go for different reasons, or maybe just last this year, I don't know. I do it online. <laughs> so, okay, so our society has told us that things are what are truly important, right? The more things we accumulate, the more materialistic possessions we have, and so I want to show you a picture of something I saw. And that's kind of a really weird picture to see. Yeah, I know. Some of you are looking at the lady that's on the floor, right? That, she's fine. She's like in her mid-20s or something. She's fine. She'll be fine. I want you to look above her. There's a lady, and then there's like a little kid. Can you see that? But what's on the right of that little kid? There's a lady like four times her size, 
four times her age. And if you see the video, I saw someone posted it on Facebook, right? That's where we get all our news. I got it. She goes up and she takes this box of what I can only imagine is like a toaster oven. I don't know. I, yeah, it's hard to see what it is. And she rips it out of this little girl's hands. And then the mom, like any mom would probably do, like stands up for her daughter and tries to, get it, tries to get it back from this lady. And that lady's like, you're scaring me. You're scaring me. Leave me alone. Right? So we have this kind of society has placed this thing about how things, material possessions, and the accumulation of them is what matters. What, what's interesting about this story and what kind of jumped out at me is if you were to look at the video, if you, the video pans back to the left, and there's a ton of those boxes still there. All she had to do was like literally step two feet over and she would have, there was like another 20 or 30 boxes of whatever this thing was. You see, we've bought, and there's no, there's no judgment on anyone who went to Black Friday. Like, please, that's like, you're going to get everything half off. So it's smart, I guess, if you need the stuff. That's what I tell myself every year. But there's this false sense of security in the world that we live in. That the more we have, the more peace we will find and the better off we will be. But the truth is, and what Jesus will tell us, that it's not about the things that we accumulate. Because you can have everything in the world and still not have joy and happiness and peace. So I want to look at a story, Matthew chapter 6. And Jesus says to his disciples and to whoever is listening, he says, Do not store for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. So in the first century, and also in the Old Testament, we see that this word moth is symbolic for everything that gets destroyed. It's like the symbolic destroyer of all things. And what Jesus is saying is that no matter how awesome it is, the thing that you buy and the things that you own, they're eventually going to rust away. They are eventually going to come to nothing and be dust. And not only that, but when you die, you're not taking any of that stuff with you. And so what Jesus is saying, he says, look, everything you buy will eventually decay and deteriorate. Rust will take over, and that was another symbolic way of saying it's just going to become rubbish. And not only that, he says, and thieves are going to break in and steal. Whenever I buy a new car, and I just buy like Hondas, okay? So they're not like Maseratis or expensive or cars. <laughs> But I'm always like, ah, I don't want to park it right here because I don't want it to get stolen. <laughs> like, right, it's a Honda. No one's going to steal a Honda. Well, they might, but, you know. But I'm always worried about, like, I don't want to park it too close to the entrance of the grocery store because the carts are going to hit it. So what do we do? We park all the way on the other end. Or, or we buy something new, but we're like, oh, I don't want to take it out of the house because I don't want it to get broken or stolen. And we become enslaved to the things that we own. And Jesus is like, are you guys for reals? It's just stuff. Next year, there's going to be a newer, better thing, and you're not going to like this thing as much. You see, there's nothing inherently evil about things. So it's not sinful to buy things and to own things, right? Living in Southern California, you need to have a car, right? It's probably a good idea to buy a house, right? We encourage you to buy clothes so you don't walk out of the house with no clothes on. There are things that you just need to buy. But Jesus warns against putting too much value in those things because he says to put too much value in the things that we own are not going to bring any happiness. 
in the first century, um, much of the houses were made out of mud bricks. And so it was known for people, you could actually like dig a hole through the wall of someone's house and go in, steal the goods, go out without anyone really knowing. That's why people in the first century would bury all of their things underground. But if things are buried, things that are valuable are buried, do you really have access to them all the time? No. So you see, even the good things are useless to us. And so Jesus says this. Right, so don't, he says, don't store up your treasures on earth. Instead, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consume, and where thieves do not break in and steal. And so the question that we ask is, we've heard this text before. What does it mean to store up our treasures in heaven? And the reality is very simple. It's to live your life in such a way that all that you do is lived with the idea and the hope that you are doing the will of God. So to store for your treasures in heaven, in the Old Testament, it was to do good works. It was to bless other people, to be generous towards other people, to be there and share other people's burdens. To live with your mindset on heaven isn't to live with your mindset on eternity. Right? We've all heard the saying, you are so heavenly minded, you are no earthly good. It's not just about wanting to get to heaven and so you ignore everything around you but rather it's that you would take the heart of God into your heart and that you would do what God would like for you to do. Now, some of you might be saying, well, I don't know what the will of God is in my life. Well, I'll help you. It's to be loving towards others. It's to be forgiving towards others. It's to be generous towards others. It's to be non-judgmental of other people. The will of God is to show love. Over the next five weeks, we are going to look at what it means that God sends Jesus into this earth and why that's important for us. You see, the will of God is for you to be a representation of who Jesus is. And you won't really know who Jesus is unless you do what? You get to know him. You find who he is in scripture. And so Jesus is saying, look, don't put your value in the things that you can accumulate because one day they won't mean anything. But if you put your mind on the things that are important to God, your life will not only be filled with or joy, but it will be filled with meaning and fulfillment. You see, it's not about what we can accumulate. It's about what we can give away. Paul writes about us emptying ourselves as a way to serve other people. You know, I have a friend. Uh, he's not really a friend. He was a guy I knew. And this was, I would say, seven or eight years ago. And he was saying, and, and he was commenting on a guy that he once went to school with. I think he, it was one of his students. And he says, you know, this guy, you know, so-and-so, I won't say his name, he's always posting on the internet about how he's wanting to work towards freeing these people from trafficking, right? So like, you know, like modern-day slave trading. He says, and that's good and that's great, he says, but that's not the gospel. And I said, no, I think that that is the gospel, because these are people who are going through just horrible, dire you know, circumstances, and he wants to help them. And what we're saying here, Jesus isn't saying to not worry about the things that are going on in this world. We have to. By, by the nature of being followers of Jesus, we must care about what is going on in this earth, and we must do something about it, because we are the image of a God who is loving and generous and kind. We can't just focus on what eternity will be like because we will be of no use to people here. And Jesus says this, 
For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The heart is a symbolic, it's the metaphorical place, the seat of where your inner self is and what is important to you. And he says, either you are going to be consumed by the things of this earth, or you are going to be consumed by the will of God. Now you're asking, how does this have to do with being thankful? Jesus says, you cannot serve two masters. For a slave, and, and the word slave has this negative connotation, but in biblical times, it's just who we give ourselves to. So for the slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then he says, you cannot serve both God and mammon. Some Bible translations use that the word mammon as wealth. But what it means is just anything that is a physical accumulation of wealth. Jesus is saying you can either live for God, live wholeheartedly for God, or you are going to live for yourself in the accumulation of the things in this world. And Jesus has just finished saying that if you live for that, for just yourself, for just wealth, for just having you know, financial security or that next better job, he says, that's fine. You may get those things, but it's not going to be fulfilling, and it's not the way of God. Now, it doesn't mean that we, God wants us to be poor and live in poverty. That's not at all what we're saying. It's what is the motivation of your heart. Because we all need jobs, because we all have bills to pay, and some of you have children that you have to provide for. But Jesus is saying, make sure that the motivation of your heart isn't just to accumulate more things. And so the way that we do this, and I don't know if I have it on here. I'll read this verse, and then we're going to get our red Bibles out. So then Jesus says, take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. So I'm going to ask you guys to grab your Bibles real quick, okay? And open to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. Now again, we already know all of this, amen? We already know that, that we're not going to get happiness and fulfillment out of the things or the money that we have. We have this kind of understanding that it's just stuff. But it subtly creeps into our lives and it makes us think that the more that we have, the better our life will be. And Jesus says it's not about the stuff. It's about living with the will and the love of God in your life. And he says, just be careful because life does not consist in the abundance of things. And here is how we turn all of this into how we can now be grateful and thankful for the things that God has given us. So uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 16, and Jesus tells the story. Then Jesus told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, what should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all of my grain and all of my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up their treasures for themselves, but are not rich towards God. 
This is the story of a man who was abundantly wealthy and he was mistakenly thought that the wealth was just for himself. Because to follow the way of Jesus is when you are given much, you do what? You give much. Right? That's not just a line out of one of the Batman films from like 10 years ago. When you are given wealth is because God trusts that you will do the right thing with the resources that you have been given, and then you give to others. Now, this is a hard message in the United States of America, right? I worked for this money. This is my money. Why should I share it and be generous with other people? First of all, I, I don't know. I can just tell you what Jesus says. And what Jesus is saying is for you to be generous. For you, If you are truly thankful for the things in your life. Wow, I feel like I'm being an angry preacher. Oh, preaching to myself. There's a mirror in front of me. <laughs> if you are truly thankful for the things you have been given, the way you show you're thankful isn't just by saying, thanks, God, but then you act generously towards other people. That is a hard message in the United States of America because we don't like to share with other people. We don't want to be gracious towards other people. This is my stuff, not for you. But you see, when we look at the, the words of Jesus, he's like, it's not your money. I've given this to you. I've blessed this with you. Yeah, yeah, you go to work every day. Yes, you went to school for that. But life is not about you. It is about what you can do for the bigger story that is the story of God. That is the story of a God who, what is, God gives his only son so that you wouldn't have to spend an eternity dead. God gives his son so that you wouldn't have to pay the debt of your sin. Some of you are like, this is why I don't like coming to church because he's telling us stuff. If you are truly thankful, according to the words of Jesus, then you must be generous. And if you're not generous, then what Jesus says is like, okay, he's not going to like kill you, okay? That's, this is a parable. <laughs> it's not like this is exactly what's going to happen. But if you just accumulate for yourself, there's a kind of way to live where you're actually dying. You may have the whole world. Jesus says, what is it that a man or a woman profit the whole world and yet lose their soul? And so for you to be a Christian in 2015 in the United States of America is to say no to the way of the culture and the way of the world and say we will be generous before we will buy for ourselves. We will give even out of the lack of our resources. All of scripture is about giving. God is continually giving and blessing you. And this is really about, do you trust God enough to sustain you and preserve you all of your days? And this is where we're going to end with this last temptation of Jesus. Again, the devil took Jesus to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor, their wealth, their accumulation of things. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. We come back to the beginning. This is a continual message of Jesus because Jesus knows 
that it is so easy to put our hope and our life in things and wealth and possessions. And Jesus says, you will not find true life or fulfillment in those things. You will not find happiness if you have all of this. True happiness and true joy doesn't come at the hands of anything else but a relationship with God. Amen? And some of you are saying, but that's just, it's, how do you talk to someone that doesn't talk back? It's too hard because I have to wake up early to go to work. The truth is, is that all you have to do is have an open heart and an open mind to what God is trying to teach you. Yes, it helps if you read the Bible. Can you say that? <laughs> it helps. I know it's not always easy. If, if you're one of those people that has a hard time just opening up the Bible and reading, um, I think in January we're hoping to start these, like, Bible 101 classes here at the church where we want to walk you through what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus, what it looks like to follow Jesus. So keep us in prayer. We're hoping to start in January, but there's this process that we have to go through, um, materials that we have to look at. But we want to make sure that you're not just showing up to church on Saturday mornings, but that your relationship with God is growing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Sunday. Because we believe, and I think the elders are bored with me that the things that truly matter in life aren't any of the stuff we have but whether we are connected to the source of all wealth and so I want to finish with just a kind of a practical a practical thing that I came across there was a there's an article that was written and it's talking about being thankful it's easy for us it's easy for us to look at all of the things that we want all of the things we wish we had Right? especially as Christmas time is coming. But what we're saying is that, no, there are so many reasons for us to be thankful. I think my time's running out. <laughs> so here it is. There was, a, there was a study that was done, and they had a group of 20 people, of 20 people, and 10 people they asked, and I think this was done over, over 10 weeks. Okay, so the first group of 10 people, um, the researcher said, okay, for 10 weeks, every single day, just write a list of all the things you're grateful for. All the reasons you have to be thankful for and grateful for, write those down. So for 10 weeks, we're going to look at that. The other 10 people, they were told to write all of the things that were bothering them or the hassles or the, what is it, the, the hassles and the annoyances of life. So they had them do that for 10 weeks. And what they said is at the end of 10 weeks, what they found is that, the, which is no surprise to us, that the people who wrote every single day all of the things that they are grateful for experience a much better quality of life. Because it's about mindset. We can't allow society to tell us what is good and the things we should be thankful for. But when we look at God and what God tells us in the story of we find in the scripture of a God who loves you and pursues you and blesses you and protects you. If you write all of the reasons you are, just try it for 10 weeks, all the reasons that you are grateful, you might be shocked to see that your life is a lot better than you thought it was when you first started. It's all about the mindset and the motivation of your heart. And for Jesus, when the devil, in a sense, falsely offers him all of the splendor of all of the world, Jesus says, I don't need any of that because what was most important to Jesus was his relationship to the Father, but also, it wasn't just that connection to God, but it was his mission to be able to give generously love and forgiveness to every one of you. 
So if we follow the way of Jesus, people will always say this, I don't like religion. I don't like organized religion. There's a bunch of hypocrites in the church. It's like, yeah, I know, okay? Like, we all know that. Like, we've made peace with that, okay? We're trying, right? We're sinful human beings, starting with this guy. But people will always say, I don't like the church. People are, people are mean. The church always is telling me what to do and what not to do. But then they'll always say something like this, but I like the message of Jesus. Have you guys ever heard that? The message of Jesus is this. Be connected to God first, and by virtue of that connection, live generously and lovingly with everyone you encounter. That is the message of Thanksgiving. That is the message of Christmas. That is the message of everything we find in the scriptures. To be like Jesus is to be connected to the Father and by doing so, then be able to give generously of our time, of our resources, of our love, to be a blessing to others and not to be a curse. And I believe that if we could do that, more people would want to know more about the Jesus that we are following. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, the, <laughs> the scriptures that we've read this morning cut us deeply because of where we live and when we live. But God, we pray that you would use these words as a way to kind of cut the hardness of our souls. Father, that as we look for all the reasons we are thankful, that you would also help us to see that what we have is an abundance and that you would help us to be generous towards others. May we be faithful to the call you have placed on our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.